He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I was going to do a show today, but I think I've decided to skip it so that tomorrow's show's better. That's what we call pirate's logic. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we doing radio up in here. We are live at Steelers training camp at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. West the mess on site with me, shirtless Tom and Brian LaMartina back in the studio. Tiger Woods is back! ish we'll get to him coming up in a little bit but what in the world were the pirates thinking there are few things that get me so fired up that i need to shoot off four drunken tweets within 35 seconds and the pirates saying hey clay holmes you take the baseball was one of those moments where i just had to rattle off some tweets i'm a big believer in the long weekend a day off a day to mentally recharge before i go on a long stretch with no off days. Labor Day, hey, it's huge right before football season because it gives me a time to breathe and relax and plan. But if I did one show a week, eight hours on that day, I don't think I'd need extra off days to prepare. I don't think the Pirates pitchers, who already get four days between starts in a pennant race, need an extra flipping off day. The Pirates' second string call him general manager yesterday spoke on the flagship station and said this is because of biometric numbers that we've got when pitchers pitch in colorado they are not as effective their next time out the one thing that does not address in any form or fashion is whether a 100 percent effective casey sadler or clay holmes is as good as a 70 percent jameson tyon or an 80 percent 85% Jamison Tyon. So much is wrong with the way the Pirates went about that. Good thing I've got a radio show. Biometric numbers. Why did Marte play every day in the biggest outfield in baseball in the altitude and then still play every day in San Francisco? Wouldn't biometric numbers tell you that his performance would take a little bit of a nosedive? I think so. But I guess it only applies to pitchers. Like, pitchers are the only players who are affected by the altitude. That doesn't make any sense. It's ludicrous. And, yes, they are looking at numbers that I do not have. And they're looking at numbers that the public does not have. I understand that. But sometimes you look at the numbers and you can try to do too much with them. That's what I think the Pirates are doing in this circumstance. They're trying too hard to be avant-garde. Too hard to be the trendsetter. Too hard to do something that other teams around Major League Baseball aren't. Didn't you get Chris Archer so that Chris Archer could pitch in a damn playoff race? Didn't you get Chris Archer so you could jettison a bad player out of the rotation? Didn't you get Chris Archer so that he could pitch as much as possible down the stretch? Oh, I guess not. They acquired Archer so that they could push a bad starter out of the rotation, yet they added one. 
The Pirates aren't as good as the teams that they're chasing. You need to maximize your chances to catch up. And Musgrove doesn't need rest. Tyon should be able to take that next step. If he's going to pitch 200 innings this year, it's about damn time. We don't need to baby these guys. It's the pennant race. Now, Alan Saunders, who we like, who comes on our program a lot, does tend to stick up for the Pirates in these circumstances a bunch. It's his M.O. He will stick up for the Pirates, as will Tim Williams. And the same people who always stick up for the Pirates are doing so now. And the same people who always bash the Pirates are doing so now. I bash them when they need to be bashed, and I'll stick up for them whenever I feel like they need to be stuck up for. And in this circumstance, I cannot understand sticking up for them. Alan Saunders says, it's August. There's no such thing as a must-win game in August. Really? Then why are we going? Why are we analyzing it? Why are we writing about it? Why are we watching this baseball game? If it doesn't matter at all, in August, if it's just one game, why do we discuss it? Why do we talk about the process? Why do we pick apart Clint Hurdle on him putting a reliever in this spot or hitting this guy in the seventh or doing a double switch here if it doesn't matter? Do any games matter then before September? Should we just cancel the season until September shows up? Are we not allowed to criticize the Pirates for losing this game when they easily could have won three out of four and remained four games back in the wild card? That logic is so unbelievably flawed to me. It doesn't matter. It's August. They all matter. They all count the same. And the people who are sticking up for the analytics side of things here, the people who are saying the biometric numbers are numbers that we don't have, are also the same people that say... All 162 are equal, right? Or at least they should. How in the world is a game in August not as valuable as a game in September? The Pirates lost the division in 2015 by two games. Two games. And those games weren't only played in September. They had a terrible April. That's what cost the Pirates. That's what cost them the division that year. A terrible April. Those games count just as much as the games now. And Clint Hurdle and the Pirate staff flubbed it all up. I spent very little time, if any, on Friday talking about this because I wanted to see what would happen. And if it worked out, I'd still be crushing them today. But I wanted to see what would happen, and I wanted to talk about the Steelers because they just played their first preseason game, and this is a Steelers town, no doubt about it. But the more that I thought about it this weekend, the more angered I became at what was the Pirates ultimately throwing away an opportunity to win a game and a series. And maybe, maybe throwing away an opportunity to go to the playoffs, to get that wild card game, maybe to play a series in the fall. You can say it's one game, but when you're trailing by five, you need to win that one. The offense put up ten runs, which is the most nauseating thing. The offense put up. The offense scored runs. The offense said, Hey, we here, we'll put up 10. All the Pirates needed to do was put up 9. So instead of going to Jamison Tynes, instead of going to Musgrove, who I guess it would have been at that point, instead of doing that, they wind up going with Casey Sadler and Clay Holmes. And they still had to throw two relievers anyhow. Sadler and Holmes gave up 11 runs combined. Give up 9, you win pretty sure that even though the Denver air, the altitude would have killed Tyone and Musgrove and destroyed their brain cells and made them incapable of throwing pitches, that they still would have been able to give up less than 10. What do you think about this decision? 
922-2874. You can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The maddening thing is, it's as if these games are being played on Tatooine. Like there's two suns and the atmosphere is not healthy enough. Are you kidding me? And yet Jameson Tyon, hey, go pitch into the ninth. It's a 10-2 to lead. Go throw a complete game, 120 pitches. If biometric screening tells you that this pitcher is not going to be as effective the next time out, why would you subject him to that evil atmosphere for even one pitch more than he should be throwing? They bungled the whole damn thing. 120 pitches, complete game. It's indefensible, all of it, as far as I'm concerned. When the organization does something well, they immediately screwed up by doing something like this. Indefensible. They go out, they get Chris Archer. They go out, they get Keone Kella. They go out and they get Adania Echeverria. These are all moves that real baseball teams make. Echeverria is not a great player, but he's better than their 25th man. Good for them. They'll take on some cash. Fine. Uh, you consider then what happens with the trade deadline. You go out and you get Chris Archer by shipping off a couple of good prospects who have already made an impact at major league level. That's what a major league club does. You go out and you give up a Taylor Hearns, a hard thrower who could be eventually your closer to get a closer who can help you right now in Keone Kella. That's what a real baseball team does. What I don't see, though, is teams going to Colorado and shifting their rotations around. The only team who does that is the Pirates. You'd think that Arizona would do it all the time, right? They're in the division. You'd think that the Dodgers would do it all the time, right? They're in the division. But no, it doesn't happen that way. How about the Padres? Nope, they don't do it. Does Colorado go to a 14-man rotation to protect themselves from that awful atmosphere and what they've got up there in Denver? No. So yeah, while the Pirates do think that they have information that's on the cutting edge here, I also think that they're going out of their way to utilize it whenever they don't always utilize analytics in other aspects of Major League Baseball. Clint Hurdle talks all the time how he does things with gut. You either go all into the analytics or you don't. And the Pirates haven't, so why now? Why now? Why now in the middle of a playoff race, the middle of a pennant race, in August, when you're five games back, do you throw two minor league pitchers? For all those reasons, I think it was ridiculous. And whether it's the general manager, whether it's above him, whether it's the manager, it's all dumb. And if it is Clint Hurdle making the final call here, he was the one guy that I was okay with for a while. The one guy. Nutting, no. Huntington, meh. Clint Hurdle, ah, he's fine, right? He's okay. He's decent. Ridiculous. We'll talk to our friend from DKPittsburghSports.com, Lance Flyzowski, coming up in nine minutes. James Conner yanked his groin, and not in a good way the other day, did not play at Steelers practice, had it iced for the remainder of practice, and I saw no less than two articles saying that it was a positive because Jalen Samuels can now get more touches. Mike Tomlin himself said that this could be a positive because it gives other guys a chance to show what they've got. This is terrible news. Because this is exactly what I thought James Conner was. Chris Hoke tweeted during the game on Thursday that James Conner can handle the load all season long if he needs to. If something were to happen to Le'Veon, he'd seen enough to have faith 
in James Conner. From a playing standpoint, fine, totally agree. But James Conner has been oft injured in his collegiate career, not even including the cancer, and now his pro career. So for him to get dinged up again, Joking. You all right, buddy? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> sure? Drink some water, pal. Everybody? That has never happened before. That's, that's right. Fashion. Well, I'll wait. Take your time. Mm. You just get it to get it right. Don't I ate a to... bag of chips before I went on the air, <laughs> and I guess one of them was hanging out behind my molars. <laughs> oh, my God. It just slid down the gut. That has never happened. Usually, you could just take a break, take a breath, and just step to the side. <sighs> Holy hell. Tom, you're going to... I'm going to need you to pull that. That was pretty good. you got to watch out for those stray chips behind the molars. You know, oh, they'll get you oh. every time, buddy. <laughs> Holy hell. Have you heard me do that? I mean, I, I've done no, some weird never, things. I, never. I farted and burped and stuff, but that <laughs> yeah. was... That's always on purpose. That was... Uh, that caught me by surprise. Okay, James Conner! <laughs> Woo! You're, you're, you're going to have to... You're good, me, right? You're good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. good. Okay, all right. <clears throat> yeah, Tom, pull that. <sighs> okay, James Conner! It can't possibly be a good thing for his career. It can't possibly be a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers to see this guy get hurt. Now, James himself would say, yeah, I don't want to be hurt. But for the coaching staff to say, oh, this gives us an opportunity to look at other guys, yeah, I guess it does. But didn't you want to know, wasn't one of the things you wanted to learn that James Conner could actually carry the load? That if next year Le'Veon's not around, and presumably he won't be, that this guy could be the guy to tote the rock three, four hundred times? All he's shown me in his career is that he can't. Last year, he's barely getting any playing time. He gets hurt. At Pitt, blowing out his knees. Now, this year, groin. Now, it's probably not a huge deal. It doesn't sound like it's severe. But if he's practicing for 10 straight days, going to 10 straight practices, and that's wearing his body down, then what's an NFL football season going to do? We'll talk more about that in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined at 520. At 540, we got a lot to get to with Mark Caboli. And at 5, Tiger's got a longer way to go than I think people realize. I was rooting for him hard on Sunday. I love Tiger. Tom loves Tiger. Brian loves Tiger. Hell, they love him more than I do. But I was into it, baby. I was revved up. He's making a birdie putt. I'm fist pumping right along with him. But he's got so much talent to compete against with Kupka and with Rory and with Spieth and with DJ and to a lesser extent, I suppose, Fowler, that there's always going to be one of them there, I think. And it doesn't mean that Tiger can't get them on a given day. It doesn't mean that Tiger can't have a better Sunday than them. It doesn't mean Tiger can't have a better tournament than them. But Tiger's competing against six guys that in any one day have a different gear than Tiger does right now. I don't know if Tiger is ever going to get that gear he had before. He couldn't drive the ball on Sunday. Missing fairways the entire front nine. Now, maybe it's something that he could easily straighten out. Maybe not. Maybe that's never coming back. Those guys all still are in the prime of their careers, and I think if they play their best golf, Tiger can't keep up. Kupka, certainly. I mean, the guy's a mutant. We'll get to all that coming up later on in the show. I'm rattled. I got a chip not on my shoulder but in my throat. Coming up next, it's Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com to talk about the Pirates' silly decision, in my opinion, 
to start Clay Holmes. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No, I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen no! to me just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. So for him to get dinged up again. <coughs> <Pardon me. coughs> Joking. <coughs> Holy hell. Braden tweets, for the love of God, get the man some water. Glad I could tune in for Adam Crowley's last show. Yeah, I inhaled a chip just there. Yeah, he had 14 minutes before the start of the segment, and it still hung around in the back till the segment got going. I'm okay, though. I'm fine. You Wes sure? got me a wall. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. Okay. Uh, looping up the old throat ski here. We're fine. We're good. <laughs> got to get some innings out of me. You know what, though? Actually... I'm gonna just, I'm gonna take a rest the rest of today's show. You guys take it out, and then I'll just do tomorrow's show, and it'll be better. Is it the high Aaron Latrobe that's getting to you? Is that what's happening here? And we're high atop the press box. Yeah, that must be what it that's is. The altitude. Yep. I wonder if Lance Lizowski from DKPittsburghSports.com survived the trip back from Colorado. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing well, Adam. What the hell's going on over there? I heard the word lubing, and that's just about it. Okay, I choked on a chip, and my throat is now all messed up, and I need some lube. It's pretty embarrassing, Adam, but... I'll agree with that. Lance Lysowski with us here. <laughs> Lance, what do you make of the Pirates' decision to start Clay Holmes the other day? Uh, it was uh, not good timing for it, I would tell you that. Uh, the, the rotation was just so good. For old, it still is pr- pretty darn good, and uh, to just give a guy a break, uh, give the entire rotation a break in August against another team that you're competing against for a playoff spot makes zero sense. And sure, you could point to Clay Holmes having that nice start against the Brewers uh, before the All Star break, but if you look at, look at the, the Brewers lineup that day, it wasn't all that impressive. And Clay Holmes was really bad his first start, so. Everybody says those AAA numbers don't really matter when you make it to the big leagues, but for whatever reason, they matter this time around when they made the decision to start him. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, to me, it was just absolutely ludicrous. Uh, Alan Saunders, who's a friend of mine who comes on the show all the time, was saying there's no such thing as a must-win game in August. I thought that the analytics people were all about every game, meaning the exact same thing. Uh, whenever, and It's not as if the Pirates were giving this game away, but... I always thought that if Clay Holmes was going to go, that that gives them a lesser opportunity to win the baseball game. And when you get a guy like Chris Archer, doesn't to, to knock a guy who's not good enough out of the rotation to then plug a guy in from AAA, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose a little bit? It does, and I, I understand the argument that not every game matters, but it does. And, and t- tell the guys on that team that every game doesn't matter. Because I know that Joe Musgrove told me after Clay Holmes starts that, yeah, they had confidence in Clay Holmes, but they wanted the front office, they wanted Clint Hurdle to sit those starters down after Colorado and say, hey, can you, do you guys want the break? Do you not want the break? How are you feeling? But there was no conversation. And I think that's what frustrated the guys in that clubhouse. They frustrated the rotation because they want the ball. They've all been pitching extremely well. Yeah, they like Clay Holmes. They, they respected what he was able to do in that last start. But – you're pitching in AT&T Park against what's still a very good lineup, despite the fact they're underperforming. And you put a Triple A pitcher out there instead of Trevor Williams, who, by the way, went ahead and pitched a really darn good game the next night. No, I just 
as much as you look at you know biometric data, and I think there is a narrative out there that the pirates like to just sound smart. No, the the data showed them something, which I respect that. But sometimes you got to go by the eye test. You got to talk to the people involved. I think that was one of the cases where. Those guys wanted to pitch. They were in a really good spot. You're playing a game against a pretty important opponent in a, in a race that's very tight right now. You can't afford to really fall out of it because it can happen pretty quickly. And giving away games isn't – that's not the business you should be in right now. You touched on something there that I want to ex- explore a little bit further, Lance, and that's the Pirates say they're an analytic organization, but they're not always. So sometimes you'll hear Clint Hurdle say things like, well, I went with my gut in that circumstance. And I think it helps to use analytics. But if you're going to be a team that wants to go by the numbers, shouldn't you always go by the numbers? And if you're a team that wants to be gut, shouldn't you always go by the gut? Wouldn't it make more sense to buy completely into a philosophy? I don't think so, because I think now just okay. with the way that the sport is that you need to have – there needs to be that happy medium. And it's typically the manager who has to do that. Yeah, they're given data, whether it's on – you know, righty lefty splits. How do you utilize your bullpen? When this guy needs a day down? When when this guy needs a day down? But you also need to see, okay, this guy is hitting really well. He's he's performing really now. Well, yes, the numbers tell me he might need a day off, but he tells me he's fine. I think he's fine. You put him out there, and that's why I think always it's nice to have that manager who is that kind of go between. And Clark Hurdle's kind of been that over the last couple of years, so I wouldn't really say that. Who who made the final decision here? Who made the finals? It's on the front office. I mean, the front office yeah. is making that roster move. They're the ones who are bringing Clay Holmes up. And uh, typically, you know what it's like when, when your boss tells you to do something. Adam, I mean, you got to do it. And, you know, I'm sure that, that Clint Hurdle looked at that data. He knows what course field is like. The guy managed there for as long as he did. So he obviously bought into it to some extent as well, maybe the entire thing. So I think that there's a lot of people to blame. I just think there's a misconception out there that this was either only Clint Hurdle's you know, decision, or that the front office only did it because they want to sound smart. I mean, no, they, they they looked at data, they made a decision, and they stuck with it, even though it's kind of egregious that they made the decision, what, six weeks ago after the All-Star break? See, that's my biggest problem with it, and you are right. They're not doing things because they want to sound like they're doing smart things. No, they're doing it because they believe it's going to work. We can disagree on whether or not they implemented it properly, and when you make a decision at the All-Star break, if you are a franchise that is going to be swayed by analytics, then you should also be swayed by things changing, the variables changing. And when you go out and you get a guy like Chris Archer, I think that should change the plan. And that, to me, is the biggest thing here. You've got Archer. You've also got some built-in off days here in August. Guys were going to get rest nonetheless. I think it might have even benefited the Pirates more to skip a guy like Nova's start, keep guys on regular rest, and and go and approach it that way to allow your great pitchers who are pitching very well right now to continue to do so. That's the way I would have gone about it. Yeah, the timing of it is kind of bizarre because you're, you're in a really tough stretch of the schedule here. Um, okay, if you wanted to do it maybe against the Twins, maybe these couple of days, whatever, that's kind of an inferior opponent, or the Marlins come to town later in the month. But to do it when they did, when Trevor Williams had pitched on, what, seven days rest his last time out, Joe Musgrove had pitched on seven days rest. You know, Ty Young got more than his typical rest period. So the timing, again, I, I, I just don't get it. Um, again, we won't really – there's not really – the thing that kind of works against them is there's not a tangible – there's not tangible evidence to say that their plan works. Okay, we can't look at a start by Trevor Williams a week from now and say, you know what, that's because he got that extra day back in San Francisco. But what 
is going to be held over their head for quite a while, especially if the team loses a postseason spot in a very close race. It's going to be that Clay Holmes start that already points to, not the rest of the starts that happened after that. Last thing here on this subject, Lance. What sense does it make to skip a guy's start, but then to allow Starling Marte, who's playing in one of the biggest outfields in Major League Baseball and Coors Field, to then go and play every game in the San Francisco series? Wouldn't he also need some rest? Yes, uh, that, that's another great point. Um, Gary Polanco finally got a day's rest after starting, what, over 20 games in a row? Um that's why I'm just curious how it's different for the pitchers. I know obviously they're throwing pitches. You know, Jameson Tyon threw 107 in a complete game, but you know how they kind of reconcile the difference there, and why these guys get off days, these guys don't. Um, it's why those bats. I mean, they're they're position players. It's just the way they played yesterday, they looked like a tired team. I don't know if they were tired, but that group just looked tired from start to finish against the Giants in that series finale loss. So. We'll see. And the thing that also stood out to me is that uh, Kevin Gray is their assistant GM talking on Neil Huntington's radio show and uh, on that other station. Adam, I won't mention the name. There I won't do it. Uh, he just said that uh, that they might consider this pitching plan of giving guys an extra day of rest in a different hitter's ballpark, not necessarily Jesus. just in Coors Field. So that's just bizarre to me. It hurts. It hurts my head, Lance. It hurts my head. A Biometric data. A different hitter's ballpark. They're gonna wait. What? The ballpark's got magic powers now, and it's making the the pitchers not pitch as well the next time out. What the hell does that mean? Like I can I can get I can get it in my skull that maybe maybe Coors Field in Denver at the altitude, or if you go play a soccer game in Mexico City, that can screw you up for a week. I can't get behind playing in Cincinnati and then coming back and be like, well, we got to push everyone back because our pitcher's heads got all frazzled going to that band box. That doesn't register with me at all. Yeah, and it's not going to sit well with fans. Like, I, I get everybody's frustration with the topic. And, again, like I said, I, <laughs> the pitchers on the staff are also frustrated by it as much as, you know, you look at the off tails, you look at the situation, you know, guys have already, you know, they're, pretty confident they've gotten their rest and maybe they wouldn't come out and say that they actually did need a break but i don't know so the whole thing and then you go into the game with only a six-man a six bullpen that obviously didn't work out you got to make two roster moves the next day there is a fallout when when situations like this don't work and it didn't work all right last one now because i do have one more uh, it's jameson tyon pitching the complete game even though the pirates had the game very much at hand uh, in hand at that point why allow him to go out there under the sun in Tatooine with that atmosphere and with that uh, altitude if it was going to damage him later on in the season? See, I don't, I don't even think they really saw that because the decision was already made. I mean, I, Tyon going out for those nine innings, I don't think that really mattered to them. I think that there is a tangible, a, a tangible or maybe intangible uh, benefit for letting a guy like Jamison Tyon, who's become the ace of your staff, to go out and pitch that complete game. I mean, especially you just look at the, the trajectory of his season, whether it's him getting pulled early in that one start and expressing frustration with it afterwards, you know, him finally gaining that slider that gives him the weapon that he's just been so, so darn good the last 12 times out that, you know, you give him the ball, you, you, you let him take it and hey, and I think that also, when you do something like that, it sits well with the other starters because 
those other four starters didn't want Tyone to get out of that game because they too, if they were in that situation, they want to be pushed back out there. You know, again, we look back and it just, it's just still bizarre to me that the decision was made right after the All Star break and not, you know, hey, if you want to give them rest after that series, fine, you recessed it, but to do it ahead of time, it just, it's bizarre to me. I realize that I strung this out for a long time talking about the one topic, so let's switch gears uh, real quick here, Lance. Uh, to Starling Marte, say so he's hitting 209 in August. Well, what's up with that? Uh, I think it's just one of those natural walls of the season. You look across the league. I mean, it, it's the MVP candidates that don't go through stretches like that. And for whatever reason, you know, Marte's had a couple before. It was the injury. Now, maybe it's just bad habits. Maybe it's just pitchers counterpunching. You just never know. But the thing is, he's not the only one that's struggling. I mean, Corey Dickerson's been struggling since he's been off the DL. Gregory Polanco's in a slump this month. So they've got to figure things out quick. Because like I said, I mean, this guy, they got the Cubs coming into town. There's a really tough road trip coming up, you know, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Atlanta. And they, this race is really tight. Even the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals seemed like a complete dumpster fire about a month ago. And they've really figured it out all of a sudden. They're a good team again. So... I just I, I don't see the buyers turning it around. There's just too many question marks. They're too inconsistent. And again, you just go back to that starting rotation. How good it's been. It just it, it makes you wonder. You know, is Dale going to send Chris Bradford out there to relieve you so that you can be better the next article that you write? <laughs> Y'all talk to him about that. I don't know what kind of biometric data they've been collecting on me. I'm not sure how that works. Always appreciate the stuff, Lance. Always appreciate you taking time with us. Uh, continued success in. Have fun out there uh, as we continue in the stretch run. Uh, you too. Stop eating potato chips. Apparently that's a problem for you. Goodbye. Bye. Lance Lysowski, one of my favorites, DKPittsburghSports.com, knows his stuff. And obviously, because I just peppered him with 13 questions on the same topic, if the Pirates are thinking about doing this after going to any hitter-friendly ballpark, that is even more ludicrous than I thought it to be. If you think that altitude does something to make you not pitch as effectively your next time out, I can buy that a little bit. There's at least some science there. But to go to Cincinnati, to go to Fenway Pack, to go to Chicago with the wind blowing out and then saying, okay, let's push everyone in the rotation back and bring up a minor leaguer, I don't buy that at all. And one more thing that I haven't really said about this nonsense is if you're worried about the performance of the team suffering playing an inferior player is going to make the same results then right if Jamison Tyone is going to be less effective his next time out wouldn't you still want him to pitch than Clay Holmes because if Tyon's fighting it he's still the ace of your staff as opposed to a guy who hasn't pitched much in the big leagues before going up against a good ball club in a good lineup. It just doesn't make sense to me. None of it. None of it makes sense to me. They gave away a game. They didn't mean to give it away. I, I think that's where the defenders of the Pirates brass are coming from. They're saying, well, they didn't do this. On, they didn't try to lose this game. They didn't give it away. They're not doing it just to sound smart. Okay, I agree with all that. But it doesn't mean that it was the right decision. Mike Tomlin doesn't make decisions because he thinks that it's going to help him lose. Mike Tomlin makes decisions because he thinks it's going to help the Steelers win. He thought that the best opportunity to win the playoff game last year was to kick the onside kick. Wrong. Not true. Not true. 
But he did it because he thought it was the best thing for the club. The Pirates are doing what they think is best. It just so happens to be ludicrous. Coming up next, got a few tweets on this. But we're going to switch gears to Tiger Woods. I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to win that next major than people are giving it credit for. It's the Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. You all right, buddy? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> you sure? Drink some water, pal. Everyone? That has never happened before. That's, that's all right. Should... We'll, we'll all wait. Take your time. <laughs> been a struggle today i choked not quite as bad as pirates management but i choked nonetheless we'll get back to that as we progress forward in this show i don't understand how an organization can be in a playoff race and go with a less proven option to start if it was the National Football League and your left tackle is a rookie and he's played the first 13 games of the season but you're in the middle of a division race, are you going to sit him down for the backup left tackle just so he's better for the last two games? No! Not even if you just played out mile high. Now, Ryan Clark, you'd have to sit down because of the sickle cell, but hey, that actually makes sense. This doesn't, so we will get back to that later on in the show. Yesterday I was out and about doing a whole bunch of stuff. Also did a program here from St. Vincent College for Steelers Nation Radio. So I wasn't getting to watch all day Tiger Woods. And it hurt my soul. It hurt my heart. I was getting in the car to pop down Route 30, get back to my place in Lebo. And I couldn't find it on the radio anywhere. And I was sweating. Like a cold sweat. Like, what's going on with Tiger? What's going on? What's happening? And that's what the whole golf world's doing right now. And really the whole sports world, because this goes beyond golf, and I'll get to that coming up in the next segment. But I had to watch. And it seems like there are two distinct groups for Tiger. People who are rooting for him because they want to see the Magnificent. People who are rooting against Tiger Woods because they think he's a dirtbag. And to those people, the second group that I am not a part of, I ask you, what the hell do you think pro sports is? I mean, who do you think you're watching every day? Who do you think you're watching when you watch Major League Baseball? Who do you think you're watching when you watch the National Football League? You think they're all good guys? You think they're all Roberto Clemente? You think they're all Mario Lemieux? You think they're all great people? Because newsflash, they're not. How can you be a Steelers fan and root against Tiger Woods? Because Ben did not treat people very well when he was younger. Ben was accused of some heinous things. Never charged, sure. But one of the things people don't like about Tiger is that he didn't treat people with respect. Did James Harrison? Do you root for him? Tom Barrasso was a terrible guy. Like, one of the worst. Barry Bonds was an awful dude. They love him in San Francisco. He was a jerk there. Jeff Kent's hitting 40 bombs as a second baseman, and Barry's picking on him the whole time. Brian Giles and Jason Kendall used to do terrible things to Jack Wilson. They used to haze the guy. You rooted for them. Brian Giles, by the way, had to have been doing roids. I'm probably going to get hit with a slander suit, but, I mean, look at that guy. That guy, back then, was putting up numbers that today would be winning MVPs, but that's neither here nor there. You think they're all good people? You think Tiger Woods is a good guy? No. He's been humbled. 
But do you think he's a good guy? No, he wasn't before. But none of the people that you're watching on Sundays, none of the people that you're watching in Major League Baseball are these saints. Now, I guess some are. I shouldn't say none. But you act as though Tiger Woods is the only player who's cheated on his wife. I would be willing to bet that the majority of professional athletes have experimented with some infidelity. I'd be willing to bet that. Because in the real world, a lot of people do it. I would never do it. Wouldn't think about doing it. I'm not that kind of guy. Would never happen. I think it is one of the worst things you could do to someone. It's dishonest. It's insincere. It's so incredibly hurtful. It's awful. But Tiger Woods is not unlike other athletes in that regard. I mean, Michael Jordan. Come on. Magic Johnson. Come on. Magic had that Magic Johnson. We know this. Kareem. We know this. Derek Jeter. We know this. Now, Derek Jeter was married. Derek Jeter didn't have a wife until now. And he was promiscuous as all get out. I guess that's okay, but whenever you have a spouse, it's not. If you want to hate somebody because of that, if you want to think they're a bad person, I do get it. But professional sports, I don't think, is about who's the better person. Professional sports, to me, isn't about which person I should be looking up to as my hero. I'm not going to tell my kids to look at a player and say, that guy's my hero. There are exceptions. Sidney Crosby, I think, is a pretty darn good exception. He handles himself with class. You never hear about him doing heinous things. You always hear about how well he treats people. Jason Mackey went up there last year with him, said he couldn't have been nicer. Tweeted out the other day about his birthday. He's so lucky to cover the guy. When you've got media members saying that about players, Marc-Andre Fleury fits the mold. Those are guys to look up to. But everyone else, they're all kind of the same. Most of these guys do that kind of stuff. Most of these guys like to have a good time. And most of these guys, when tempted, are going to do things that you probably would be doing too if you were tempted as well. But you're not. Joe Schmo, who mops the floors at the muffler factory, isn't going out on a Saturday night and having women slide on up to him and put their hand down his pants. It's not happening. I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of muffler muffler Joe's packing down there, but it's not really going to happen. But if it were, what would you do? If it were, what kind of guy would you be? I wouldn't do it. But are you strong enough to say no? Tiger Woods, one of the most famous men in the world, one of the most famous athletes in the world, does what a lot of men would have done in that circumstance. Doesn't make him a good dude, but a lot of them aren't good dudes. 412 922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Here's why I do think the other faction is rooting for him. A, because we like greatness. But B, because a fall from grace is human. A fall from grace makes Tiger Woods more relatable. I was just saying a moment ago, the guy from the muffler store ain't getting diddled by random women because no one knows who he is. You can't relate to Tiger Woods. That guy can't relate to Tiger Woods. Can't. But now you can a little bit more. Because we've all had ups and downs, trials and tribulations, problems that we couldn't fix and problems that we wanted to come back from. Tiger Woods did a lot of this to himself. But Tiger Woods also had God to thank for a lot of the things that happened to him. And I'm not saying he got smited, but the back stuff. The injuries. These things come because he was able to generate such amazing torque in his golf swing. The things that were his gifts, the best things about his performance, 
were also the things that broke him down. And when that happened, we all thought it would never work out for him again. We all thought, like the rest of us, eventually his day will come. And it maybe it has come. Well, now that he's come back from that, now that he has really gotten back to contending for major championships, now that he's gotten back to being one of the best golfers on the planet, I think he's 26th now, ranked in the PGA Tour, I think people are rooting for that because we all wish that that could be us. When we fail, when we have problems, when we get our butts kicked, we all hope that one day we can rise up, battle back, and he's kind of an inspiration from that front. He had his back fused together. He had his spine fused together. You don't see that happen in professional sports and a guy come back from that. He didn't know what his swing was going to be in December. He was reinventing himself. He said when he had the surgery, he might never play again, and the reason he was having the surgery is to do so so that he could hang out with his kids in the backyard and not have to deal with the pain. One of the reasons why he was taking the medication that wound up getting him the DUI in the first place was because of the pain he was dealing with. So he didn't know that this was going to put him back in a place where he could contend with the likes of Barry Bonds' hockey or golf style here. I mean, look at Kepka. Look at this Brooks Kepka guy. Look at his biceps. That guy could break Tiger Woods' head with his butt cheeks right now, and Tiger is contending with him months after having spinal fusion surgery. It's a story worth rooting for. Even if you didn't like the guy in the first place, even if you thought he was a bad dude, I think we've all kind of been where Tiger Woods is today. We've all made mistakes that we caused. We've also all been victims of circumstance. We've also all had our health problems or this, that, the other. And you want to be able to bounce back. And now Tiger is. And I think that is worth rooting for, and I think a lot of people will. And are. Coming up next, Tiger does have an uphill battle to win another major, though. All that being said, all that nice stuff to say, I think it's going to be a little bit harder for Tiger to win than most people are saying. In golf, is it saved? We'll touch on that next. It's Crowley Show.